Welcome to Asian Book Club, where we highlight Asian and Asian American authors. We are your hosts, Jamee and Sabangin. And I'm Stephen Park, and we are coming at you today with our new book, yeah. Disorientation by Elaine She Chu. And we're going to our first read, mm-hmm. but one of the first things that we notice within this read is that Elaine is at a college. It's one that is seemingly somewhat prestigious, mm-hmm. but maybe not. What do you call that? The Ivy League school? Yeah, it's not an Ivy League school. Mm -hmm. So you grew up on Guam. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering how your experience was and if it differed to my experience. Because as an Asian American here, first gen, my parents were adamant that I went to an Ivy League school or Mm -hmm. a top school. Mm -hmm. We even had this, not a charter school, but something similar to that where you had to apply to get in. Mm -hmm. And that was my goal from kindergarten through sixth grade of like you need to get into this school Mm. which I didn't but it (laughs) like it always was a goal of like you need to be at certain schools Mm -hmm. did you have anything like that what I remember my parents weren't adamant about getting into a specific school but they wanted me for sure to get into some kind of university they were certain not wanting me to be in a community college Mm. for sure But university was the thing. Like, Mm -hmm. even if it was University of Guam, if it was a university that was in California that was not well-known, but it's still a university, Mm. that would have been okay with them. So just kind of any university. Yes. It's interesting, because I feel like... I mean, I don't know, because the way I grew up, by the time I was in high school, I was doing SAT prep classes, Mm -hmm. and maybe even started in junior high, but the whole goal and focus was get into these certain schools. Mm Mm-hmm. And I guess the secondary thought to that is so you can get certain jobs, but you need to go to these elite prestigious schools. For sure. I think the reason my parents did that, and maybe a lot of other parents also pushed their children to do this, Mm -hmm. was because that's what they knew. Right, like name recognition. Right, but not only that, but in Korea, you only have a certain amount of schools because, you know, Mm, Korea is so small. small. Yeah. Your identity is somewhat related to the school that you went to. Like, right. uh, that show that we watched with the zombies, mm-hmm. it was the K-drama. Yeah. Um, there was a guy who was, like, a police officer, and mm. his identity was Seoul University. University. Yep. It wasn't anything else, but this guy's name is Seoul University. Right. So I'm wondering if that's what drove my parents to be like, you have to go to Harvard, you have to go to Yale, even Stanford, mm-hmm. which was like for them, it was like, this is a backup school. I'm like, no, mm-hmm. it's absolutely not a backup school. <laughs> no. But I wonder if that was the drive behind them trying to find security in this place that they didn't know well they didn't know how to navigate but they're Mm -hmm. like if you go somewhere with a prestigious name you'll be able to get a great job and have a great life and things like that right right the problem is having now lived in america and grown up in america what we now seem to realize more and more of is there's a lot of nepotism involved with ivy league schools Mm -hmm. there isn't necessarily just job security with going to great school Mm -hmm. it's much more what is your family's name and so the reason why people from Harvard and Yale get, you know, picked to do these CEO jobs is because their parents have done that job. Right. They're usually and often white males that have come out from that same university that their mm-hmm. fathers have come out yep. from. It's who you know and how you know them. Right. But, I mean, there is a certain sense of if you go to Harvard, everyone knows what Harvard is, you will be able to get a job probably a little bit more easily than someone who went to 
Cal State something or, you know, a state school, community college school, something like that. But truly, for me, I went to a, not an Ivy League school for grad school, but a pretty prestigious school and Mm. paid way too much money to get this education. Mm. And I don't ever really get asked, besides by patients, like, what school did you go to? Mm -hmm. It seems very meaningless and seems like I would make the exact same amount of money, have the exact same amount of mm-hmm. life satisfaction, maybe not have built up the memories if I didn't go to that exact same school, mm-hmm. but I don't think I would have missed out on anything. For sure. I mean, I went to University of Guam, mm-hmm. and there I didn't have the dorm experience, but do I feel like I missed out on things? No, I definitely still... I didn't party. I did hang out with friends. I know that my mom listens to this. I did not party. I hung out with friends. Mm-hmm. So I don't think I missed out on anything, even though university, OG is not a well-known university. But it's, it's fine. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about similarities to no matter what school you go to, you're still oh, yeah. going to experience the stress of education, right. which we start to get from this book. Mm-hmm. But before we go into the book, let's talk about our recommendation for the week. Mm-hmm. Our recommendation for the week is Bel Canto Books. It's a woman and BIPOC-owned bookstore led by Joanna. They sell books, they partner with fellow BIPOC vendors, they hold literary events, and they host book clubs. There are three locations, and we found this out when we went to California, Mm -hmm. that there are several locations housed in different businesses, and you can support them by purchasing books through their bookshop or checking out what's in stock at the Hangout branch online, which usually has signed copies, or you can just visit one of the three locations. You can find more through their website at belcantobooks.net and you can follow them through Instagram at belcanto, B-E-L-C-A-N-T-O, books. Yeah, and like Jamee said, we had the opportunity to go see them and we were able to meet Joanna, who yeah. was just this lovely person and yes. kind of had, I don't know if she's ever going to listen to this, but she had this air about her that was just like very powerful yeah it was very weird but she was so so sweet so nice she helped me pick out books for my nephew Mm -hmm. where because it was his birthday Mm -hmm. and so she's very knowledgeable about different authors and the different things that you might be looking for just by giving her a topic or something you might be interested in right and i especially appreciated that she focused on local authors in california and long beach area yeah and so that's Bel Canto Books, and that's our recommendation for the week. Okay, so this is our first read of Disorientation by Elaine She Chu. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get a lot of... I don't know if I'm ever going to get her name comfortably correct. So if that's I'm saying fair. it incorrectly, I'm really sorry. I am trying. There are probably lots of edits within the post-production <laughs> of this. But... Our first read has been... Our first read was in part one, which is Fall Quarter, pages 3 through 82 in the hardcover. And for everyone, chapters 1 through 5, which is from The Curious Note to The Versatility of Tampons. Mm-hmm. And there is a little slight bit of content warning. It's not very extensive. It's not as graphic or vivid as our last book yes this one was a very quick mention right and almost more of an allusion to it rather than a direct saying of abuse right and so yeah that involved abuse 
not spousal, but it partner. It is domestic yeah, abuse. Yeah, domestic abuse. There mm-hmm. you go. What is your first impression of this book? So, to be very honest, I had to read the first three chapters three different times. Mm-hmm. I tried the first two times just listening to the book, and it's not the book, it's me. We were on vacation when we first started the book, so... Like we mentioned, we went to California, and my brain was all focused on being in California, so reading it on the plane, I fell asleep, because that's what I do when I'm on a plane. I tried reading it in the car, which again is where I fall asleep, so that was not helpful. It wasn't until we got back to Portland where I was able to pick up the physical book, and read it while listening to it at the same time. Mm -hmm. And that was what focused my brain. So my first impression of the book is that I really enjoy it. I really enjoy the character of Ingrid, who is the main protagonist, and we'll talk about her more. And it brought me back to university years. And I'm like, yes. Although I stress during university, I thrive under that stress. And that kind of reminded me about how I want to get my PhD one day. Mm -hmm. And for me, as soon as I picked up this book and I read the first few pages, maybe even the second page, Mm -hmm. I felt like this was exactly the book that I was hoping to pick. Mm -hmm. It's not a light read. It is kind of a literary fiction. Yes. So there is a lot of depth to this book. Yes. But it is an enjoyable read. There's Absolutely. humor, there's mm-hmm. complexity, yes. There, but there's also a lot of fun within this story. I think so, yes. Like the asides that are made and like the little beats in between like the actual action is mm-hmm. like, yeah, I can see the quirkiness in the book. Mm-hmm. And through the character too. Yes, absolutely. So let's start there because I think our first major thing that we are introduced to is Ingrid's character. Yeah, Ingrid Yang Mm -hmm. is a grad student working on her dissertation and we find out very quickly that she's insecure and easily manipulated into situations. Right, so let's even just talk about how did she come to this dissertation because that Mm -hmm. was a lot of what the first chapter was focused on. Mm -hmm. So long story short, the advisor that she initially wanted to choose told her to choose a different advisor and that advisor whose name is Michael chose the dissertation for her by strongly suggesting Shei Wen Chao. Right. So her first advisor, Judith, even put her down this rabbit hole of mm-hmm. 1920s silent Japanese film, mm-hmm. which she was not even Japanese. No. This also then led to her having her next advisor, who his name was Michael Bartholomew. Mm. I asked you this briefly when we were reading it, mm-hmm. but I've only known one person with the last name of Bartholomew in my life, mm. and that person was Filipino. Mm. So when I was first reading this, I originally thought that Michael Bartholomew was Filipino. I mean, it could be when I initially read Mm -hmm. because of the way that he interacted with people and also because of a certain part, which we'll get to later. Mm -hmm. I think Michael's white. Oh, yeah. Fairly quickly, I found out that he is extremely white. Yes, but I totally get where you're coming from because when you asked me that question, Mm -hmm. that's when I was like, 
Well, I do know people who are Filipino with the last name Bartholomew. Mm -hmm. So it's like maybe it's like a Spanish last name kind of thing. Maybe. Anyways, side topic. Yes. But through these two people, we find out that Ingrid is somewhat manipulated into choosing her dissertation topic and the route that she's going to go. Yes. Which doesn't bode well for her she becomes bored really quickly Mm -hmm. and throughout the first few chapters that we read we know that she is not interested in this topic she Mm -hmm. just goes through the motions and she doesn't even have a title for her dissertation right now right she's struggling yes one of the quotes is ingrid yang was not doing well Mm -hmm. she talks about how she's hoping to develop ulcers just to get out of the amount of stress that she has yes and she's replying to michael's emails by saying that she has a stomach flu every single time Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and has no pages to share with him Mm -hmm. so that shows her being manipulated another thing is her insecurity She, in page 23 specifically, she changes her undergrad major so many times, and one time she changes her major just to follow around her boyfriend who doesn't communicate with her. Right. So she's constantly needing this validation that her relationship is fine when technically she's the one making it not fine. Right. And on that note, there are three or four boyfriends yes in which she goes into some detail with yes which are all terrible relationships exactly and all of which where she is somewhat seeking a form of validation and she Mm -hmm. is trying to seek their love and attention in different ways right 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 and even though she is validating towards them they tend to not validate her in return right that seems to be the theme of her relationships yes exactly until Mm -hmm. she meets her fiance stephen green right to go back to even her feeling like she needs a certain form of validation Mm -hmm. and this is more from the scholarly perspective Mm -hmm. there's a quote early on and this is on page seven Mm -hmm. and it reads She arrived at college missing half the baggage they'd been prepackaged with. Then, too, was the latent fear someone like her was not supposed to be good at English. Mm. In first grade, she'd been placed in remedial English, not because it wasn't her native language, but because she'd been too shy to speak up in class. Then in sixth grade, her English teacher had accused her of plagiarizing her of Mice and Men essay on the grounds it was, quote, suspiciously articulate, end quote. I think this kind of tells the story of her current journey. It's her trying to live up to these expectations when it sounds like she's already there. It's just now people are trying to control her and have her do things in certain ways. Right. It's also really interesting because I know that story is not unfamiliar. I've Mm -hmm. heard of so many people that have gone Mm -hmm. to different schools and just because of the way they look, they're like, well, you should be in a lower class because you clearly don't speak English. And... I was kind of the same way where I didn't like speaking up in class because I was always shy in larger spaces. Mm. It's more on the side of my introvert nature of who Mm. I am. And so, yeah, I wasn't dumb. It's not that I didn't know the answer. I just didn't want to raise my hand or speak up in class. Mm -hmm. Same. Very similar. And the whole part about her teacher thinking that she plagiarized just because Mm -hmm. she was too quote-unquote articulate, I have had that experience 
both as myself as well as with friends who their professors were like oh you can't have written this and Mm -hmm. i'm like yes i did write this or yes they did write this Mm -hmm. just because we look a certain way doesn't mean that we can't write scholarly Mm -hmm. so yeah this is how she gets to where she is but like jamay mentioned out of all of her bad relationships she finally finds a better relationship. I was going to say good, but it's not, it's not good, good either. But yeah. a better, more caring relationship in Stephen Green. Uh, also, he spells his name wrong. Let's get that straight. So, <laughs> PH never makes a V sound. This is, I stand firmly on this ground. I want to change my name from Stephen with a V to Steve, spelled S-T-E-P-H, because... <laughs> Apparently, this is what people... Anyways, that's my soapbox. But Stephen Green. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk a little bit more about him later. Mm-hmm. But just as a quick summary about the relationship, Stephen Green seems to be very... Uh, I guess you can say caring, but also super motherly or nurturing towards yeah. England to the point that it's almost coddling. It is. I also feel like it works in certain ways. Like, it's what Ingrid didn't get from all of her previous relationships, and especially in this time where she's struggling with a different part of her life. That's fair. I do think that Stephen, in that way, is a necessary balance for everything that she's going through. Definitely. I agree. I think that he's the best she has ever had. Mm-hmm. In her life, I also think that he might have yellow fever because mm-hmm. of the way that he not only interacts with her, mm-hmm. in that he doesn't really ever call her by her name. He mm. always calls her dear, which I think is why, in my mind, that kind of rang alarm bells like, does he really care for her as a person or is he just like oh we could fill this position with anybody else Mm. but she's the one who is here right now Mm. but yes that's my little rant on stephen green Mm -hmm. um so we see that ingrid is insecure we see that she's easily manipulated but one other thing that i noticed about her character is that she enjoys simple joys. Mm -hmm. For example, and I'm going to point these out because I have similar joys. On page 25, I'm reading directly from the book Under Fall Quarter. After that, Ingrid did not date anyone for a year and a half. This was during her time that she was not dating great people. After that, Ingrid did not date anyone for a year and a half. She began to actively cultivate her spinster wardrobe and visit animal shelters, calculating that if she adopted a cat every seven years, she'd accumulate a respectable number before menopause. I greatly appreciate this because if I were single, I would also be calculating the same number. Mm-hmm. And another one where we see her simple joys is on page 28, not too far off, where Stephen shows her evening clothes and Ingrid's reaction is this happy cry because, quote, she believed matching outfits for couples were the height of romance. And I'm like, yes, even though Stephen does not agree. Yes, and Stephen that's Park Stephen Park does, does not. not agree. I do like matching. I just don't <laughs> like matching full outfits. 
I think there's a difference. I think coordination is much more cool than just matching. And we do have events where we match. But also, when we coordinate but are not completely matching, when it's off by just a little bit, even then, Stephen Park does not like it. Yes. But if we go to places like Disneyland or Universal, we'll buy matching shirts. Uh huh. So I do have my moments in which that's a thing. Yes. Anyways, <laughs> there was a moment with Stephen Green mm-hmm. and Ingrid where this is the proposal that they go through. Yeah. And I thought it was kind of funny because Ingrid has this expectation now that her relationships aren't going to go well. Right. So Stephen invites her to. Was it Olive Garden? No, it's Imperial. It's a it's a Chinese restaurant. Right, right, right. right. So he invites her to Imperial and he is, you know, he's setting up this whole meal. Mm-hmm. He's getting ready to do this whole proposal. Yeah. But the whole time, Ingrid is anticipating a breakup. Yep. But in my mind, I was like, why are you dressing up semi-formally and eating a full meal? Is this how people break up with other people? I don't know. Maybe this is just a her thing. Because okay. I... That's not how I got broken up with before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but since we're on the topic of the proposal, there's also a very, like, weird... This is how I know that that Stephen Green has some yellow fever because of the way that his parents mm-hmm. interact with Ingrid. On mm-hmm. page 43... Of the hardcover, it says, Stephen's mother says, You two are so brave. Mm -hmm. I know interracial couples aren't accepted everywhere in this country. She blinked rapidly to ward off any unscripted emotions, clasped Ingrid's hand, then after a minute went on, But your love is stronger than hate. Ew. And I think she even then went to reemphasize so incredibly brave right oh so gross yeah i had the same thing down in my notes it was icky Mm -hmm. it reminded me of little fires everywhere like it seemed like they could have came from the same town girl but yeah so that's her story Mm -hmm. that's her character but let's talk about where this book seems to be going Mm -hmm. and that's with her trying to finish this dissertation of xiao wen chao yes we find out that she's struggling through this, right? Absolutely. So it's not something she even wants to do. Mm-hmm. So she's going to this library often, and she's trying to piece together any information that she can get to right. actually finish this dissertation. Right. And she constantly visits the archives in which she's doing her due diligence of being present and doing her research mm-hmm. and trying to write something. And one day, when she visits the archive and gets the archival box, she finds one of her old notes where she's copied a full Zhao Wenchao poem written on the margins of it, her thoughts. And one of the thoughts on page 18, she says, Stanza 3 has 16 syllables, stanza 4, 21, stanza 5, 19. If the speaker moves north 16 degrees, then west for 21 degrees, then south for 19 degrees, Chao's mother must be from Shangluo Shui. However, in that same note, someone else's handwriting is underneath that says, No stupid, it's Shangluo Shui, beside a smiley face, which kind of looks like a smirk. So, this launches her into a completely different side quest. Mm-hmm. Because the person that wrote this note was Retlaw equal Nospik. 
Mm -hmm. And that kind of got her stumped for a long time. Mm -hmm. But because of my love for palindromes, Mm -hmm. I already knew that this was a backwards name. Right. I think it took me like a full minute or two, maybe two minutes, where I was just like, oh, everything's just backwards. So it's Mm -hmm. Walter Luke Gibson. Yes. So... That wasn't the surprise of this, though, mm-hmm. is she finds Walter Luke Gibson. She's able to Google and hunt this person down. Yes. And she gets to be able to actually talk to him eventually. Mm-hmm. And we find out that Walter Luke Gibson is a quote-unquote... name. Yeah, is a pen name for a quote-unquote East Asian man. Right. And he talks about... And this is another thing that I think is fairly familiar with Asian Americans mm-hmm. or Asians in America, mm-hmm. where... They use white or Caucasian-sounding names Mm -hmm. so that they can sell more or be more successful. I mean, honestly, it's the reason why my parents gave me the name of Steve or Steven. Mm. It's a name that's very familiar to white culture. For sure. And side, very side note, I, for a long time, struggled with having my name because all of my name except for Anne... Mm -hmm. is not anglicized so Mm -hmm. anytime my name is read or seen or heard Mm -hmm. people struggle they struggle to figure out quote-unquote what i am they've struggled to figure out how to say my name and for a long time i struggled with accepting my given name but now i'm more than proud to have it She only says that because her mom's listening. <laughs> um, so she talks to Walter Luke Gibson. Mm-hmm. They have this discussion, and eventually they find another person attached to possibly where this note came from. Mm-hmm. And that person's name is John Smith. Yes. Now, as Ingrid is going on this search and spending her own money to find a private investigator who's yeah. very shady. Uh. But she finds a private investigator and finds two John Smiths, Mm -hmm. but only one of them has no alibi for the time that would be the timestamp on the library. So she goes to visit this John Smith, who ends up being a massive racist, seemingly. Yes. Oh, that's like, that scene was so tense. Mm -hmm. And I was afraid, like, it's so early in the book, but I was afraid for her safety already. Mm Mm-hmm. But so that is where she kind of got stumped mm-hmm. until her friend Eunice mm-hmm. came into this whole mix. Yes. Now, Eunice is another grad student. Yes. She's another grad student. And the reason why they became friends was because they both hated another grad student. Vivian. Yes. But Eunice helps Ingrid then kind of get through this incident of, I guess, failure of not Mm. being able to find the right John Smith. Right. Ingrid's on the verge of giving up. Right. And Eunice has this very cartoonish feel about her. I guess. I was going to say that rather than cartoonish, she seems to be very bubbly. There you go. It's just so funny. Like, she has a very, very funny personality, Mm -hmm. and her actions are very hilarious. Right. As a foil to Ingrid, Ingrid is very hard on herself very critical very afraid while Eunice is very light and airy and is more concerned about what brings her joy right and that then leads to Eunice helping Ingrid 
break into the archival library section so that they can find a donor who's also mm-hmm. named John Smith. Mm-hmm. And this is going to lead us into our next read. Yes. And like this whole thing, even though I don't know whose idea it was. Was it Eunice's or Ingrid's? Oh, it was Eunice's idea. For sure. Yeah, because Eunice just, because they were both high off of a baked good or something. Uh And I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, Eunice was the one that suggested that they break in. Totally. And even though Eunice is the one who gave the idea, I don't think she realized how much she would have to invest into (laughs) it. (laughs) Yeah. That's the part that you should definitely read. It's, yes. I think that's one of the things that the author, Elaine, does so well in this mm-hmm. book. Is It's a very strong mixture of comedy with seriousness. Yeah. And it helps the story, for me, it helps the story just flow so easily. Absolutely. It gives it a rhythm that isn't predictable, but it's also not so chaotic either. It gives you enough freshness in between. Right. Speaking of which, there's a thing that Elaine includes into the character of Ingrid mm-hmm. that is so unnecessary, but it's so funny. Mm. And that's the fan fiction. <laughs> so the librarian's name is Margaret. Yes. Her assistant's name is... Daryl. Daryl. And because Ingrid spends so much time in the library having mm-hmm. to do work and all these things, mm-hmm. she starts creating this love romantic story (laughs) between margaret and daryl and it's so funny and it's just so unnecessary right and like it's included in the book and i remember when i first encountered it in the audiobook i got so confused i was like wait what's happening did we jump into a romance novel Mm -hmm. but yes it creates this other perspective or dimension of ingrid and her lack of interest in her actual dissertation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Speaking of lack of interest, let's talk about the white men in this book. So I wrote it down in my notes, The Battle of the White Men. Mm. And this is primarily between Stephen and Thad at a party. Stephen is Ingrid's fiance, mm-hmm. and Thad is Eunice's new boyfriend. Yes. They're both exactly the reason why I don't like going to parties Um, because I get stuck in these conversations with people just like this and it's so infuriating for real but the way they portray themselves Mm. is that Steven is honestly sometimes he's kind of right but talks like he knows it all which Mm. is so infuriating because he doesn't and that's where he's not right yeah and that's just dumb except that he's in tech so he thinks he's smart too right within this party mm-hmm. the text even talks about how ingrid is avoiding these quote-unquote asian conversations mm. there's input from this vivian character who we'll talk yeah. about a little bit mm-hmm. but there's an input where vivian says and this is a quote let me guess vivian said dryly you got tired of them teaching you about your culture I don't know. It, it, the conversation that was written by Elaine mm-hmm. was very much just glimpses into little words yeah. of what you would hear. Right, right, Kind of right. like you're not eavesdropping, just overhearing. Yes. And it very much sounded like uh, 
people with yellow fever maybe yeah absolutely not maybe that's definitely people with yellow fever and the fact that stephen green is a translator for japanese texts without knowing japanese and without having ever visited japan yeah that's what his insecurity is that he has never visited japan and therefore he's a fraud and i'm like he is a fraud he is a white man translating japanese texts without knowing the language or the culture or the people yeah it also includes a scene where Michael Bartholomew mm-hmm. joins in on the conversation. Yes. Which then just gets more Anglo. Yes. And they talk about things like black belts and, uh, I don't know, I'm sure Kung Fu. For uh, having like very random anything Asian, let's yeah. add it into the conversation. Like how well they use chopsticks, uh, having the samurai of, swords in their house. Exactly, the, the kinds s- of foods that they enjoy because yeah. of the different spices. The scrolls on their walls. Jesus. We could go on and on. <sighs> it was a very funny... Question mark? I, yeah, funny question mark part of this book just because it was so relatable. Yes, Absolutely. Then there's the relationship of Ingrid and Vivian. Which is a very contentious relationship. The reason why Ingrid and Eunice are friends are because of Vivian and because they despise her. Right. And I don't know. Vivian doesn't seem that bad. She's not terrible as a person, but I feel like, like you just mentioned her coming up to Eunice and Ingrid and saying that they sent away the white men. Mm -hmm. The fact that she points so hard at the truth, I think is what makes them not like her. I think I don't dislike Vivian Mm. because I relate so hard to Vivian. I feel like who I am now is very related to Vivian. Yes. I think that blunt honesty is what I've become. For sure. I feel like I've turned 70 over the last five years within the time <laughs> of COVID, and now I'm just like, I'm just going to say things. Um, Vivian's not wrong in most of the things that she does or says. No. She's a hard worker. Yes. She is on top of her game, which is why she has so many publications and things right. like that. She's the person that my parents would have wanted me to be. Mm. I think one of the reasons why Ingrid and maybe Eunice are against Vivian is because she's that cousin. Right. She's that cousin that your parents are like, oh, you know, your cousin. Yeah, Yeah. your cousin went here. Your cousin did this. Did you know that your cousin helped Mm -hmm. the president defeat the war people (laughs) i don't know like she is that person because she's so good at everything right she's also pretty cool like it shows that she's dating someone that's on a motorcycle exactly and then ingrid sees vivian hop on the back of the motorcycle like she's in this really cool movie yes so i don't i don't hate her I think she's really cool. I don't really either. Cool. I definitely have a lot of respect for Vivian. The fact that she knows what she wants and she's going to say whatever it is that's on her mind and say it without being malicious. She's not being malicious towards them when she... Maybe she is. I don't know. Yeah, like the side eye, the undercutting kind of right, malicious... Yeah. Like the frenemy type thing. Yeah. But... Like we said, there's truth in what she's saying. And it's not truth that's supposed to hurt. It's just truth that is there. Right. 
So I'm sure that Vivian is going to be a part of a lot of this because mm-hmm. they're also both studying the same the dissertation-ish. Same yeah. yeah. They're not doing the exact same topic, but they're studying the same author for yes, sure. Yes, yes. We are definitely going to find out more about Stephen. I mean, it's on the back cover. Yeah. It shows that she's having an identity crisis yes. with her relationship involved. Mm-hmm. We are hopefully going to find out who this John Smith is. Mm-hmm. But what are your predictions about what's going to happen next? I initially thought that this John Smith character, the whole side quest was going to be such a small and quick thing, Mm. but it's turning into such a big ordeal that I feel like even within the next part, within part two of the winter quarter, we still won't know who John Smith is. Mm. I feel like we're still going to hit dead ends, Mm -hmm. but move just an inch closer to who this person really is. Mm Mm-hmm. I kind of agree that this John Smith thing is going to go on for a while. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's going to be the whole story. Maybe not. I definitely think that Ingrid and Steven are going to break up. And I Mm. truly think it's probably because he has a PH instead of a V for his name. (laughs) Um, Do you think they're going to break up already in the next part? In the next part? No. Okay. I think it's the third or fourth part so you're seeing way into the future seeing of the way book. into the future gotcha i think more immediately yeah the next few segments are gonna be about john smith i'm hoping that it comes out in the next chapter of who he is mm. i think vivian's an ongoing story and i think she ends up becoming a friend of ingrid's in the very end i think so too but we won't know until we read it yes. so what are we reading next Next, for those who are following along in the hardcover, we're reading pages 83 to 162. And for everyone, we're finishing part one and going into part two from chapter six through nine, which is kumquats on an autumn day to special occasion role play. What a rhyme. (laughs) And so we are going to be reading through it. We're hoping that you join along. Mm -hmm. And for anyone that wants to reach out to us or contact us or just let us know your thoughts, how can people reach us? You can email us at asianbookclubpod at gmail.com. You can also reach us through our DMs on Instagram or comment on one of our posts at asianbookclubpod. Right. And we also have a website, asianbookclubpod.com, mm-hmm. which also has our bookshop, which shares the books that we've read mm-hmm. and other recommendations that we have for you. Yep. Uh, please remember to follow, like, and subscribe. Yes, please. And otherwise, also make sure to be happy, be healthy, and read a book. Inga. Bye. Bye.